we're going to uh, look at this psalm now, so keep it open if you have your Bible or uh, another device besides the one you're on Zoom with, because um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 143 this morning. We're starting 2021 by looking at the landscape of our lives, and we're coming to the end of that series now. And we've been noticing that God shows up in our life in different sorts of ways as we go through different seasons of life. And let's put up the, the landscape of life slide now, just to remind ourselves. We started um, in early January by looking at eruption moments. I'm not necessarily going to go through these in order. Um, but eruption moments, uh, you, could, you could also call them spiritual renewals or mountaintop experiences. These are times where God's presence and love and power just sort of spontaneously bubble up in our lives, filling us with joy and with zeal and with commitment. God feels close by and, and um, powerfully changes us. Then after that, we looked, if you go all the way over to the right, we looked at both seasons and disciplines of excavation. This is digging for more of God and for more of God's presence. These are seasons of life when we feel particularly convicted or motivated or excited to seek God. We pray a lot. We read our Bibles. We go to conferences. We seek to grow and to change. But even when we're not in a season like this, we also saw that excavation, digging for more of God, is still important as a discipline and as a, a daily and a weekly practice. And then last week, Gina Mueller was with us, and she helped us to think about earthquake moments where something big happens, and in a moment, our lives are changed, maybe forever, often leaving us with our heads and our hearts reeling and piles of rubble to clean up. Well, that leaves me this morning to finish off with seasons of erosion, long, slow seasons of wearing away. All right, we can take the slide down. And, and I'll tell you that, that um, 2020 was definitely a season of erosion for me, or has been a season. And, and for many of you, too, I know. Boy, how long ago last March feels, right? When we were all, for the last time, together um, in our building. No masks, hugging each other. We weren't worried about uh, who we could get together with indoors, remember? <laughs> And when we went virtual last March, who could have guessed that in 2021, we'd still be in the midst of this pandemic? What a long haul it's been. And that's what seasons of erosion are often like. They're long and they're slow. And they're usually uncomfortable and inconvenient. Always having to make sure you have your mask with you when you go out of the house. The endless decisions that, that we face. Do I get that haircut or do I wait? Do I accept that play date from my child? How careful is that family or that person about social distancing and about taking appropriate precautions? Then there were the, the canceled celebrations, the graduations, the proms, the birthdays, the holidays, so many disappointments that we faced. And I could go on and on, right? It, it's not like many of these things in themselves were huge. Some of them were, but it's, it's been the constant drip drip of disappointments and inconveniences and doing without and 
making adjustments, the continual wearing away of our patience and our emotional resources and our optimism, the new decisions we had to make, the new things we had to learn, which and the, the challenges we had to overcome, which just bit by bit wore us down and wore us away. And that's what seasons of erosion are like. And of course, it's not just 2020. There are many other ways that, that seasons of erosions find us. If you live long enough, you go through them. Maybe a job you hate, maybe a boss or a coworker who just makes you not want to get up in the morning and go to work. Or maybe a class that you dread, a teacher or some fellow students that you just can barely stand. Or, or maybe a season in your marriage where the, the flame of love has, has burned really low and there are, are tense and difficult, uh, things are tense and difficult, and, and month after month or maybe year after year, nothing seems to improve. Or maybe it's a health difficulty which goes on and on and never seems to resolve itself. The, the list goes on. Well, during this this series on the landscape of life, we're remembering how King David experienced each of these different life seasons in his own life. And in the book of Psalms, he's left us prayers that are windows into his soul and what it was like for him personally and internally to experience these seasons and how he responded to them. Well, David went through various seasons of erosion and one very notable, very long season was the time after as a young man he was prophesied over and he was anointed to be king and then months dragged into years and it didn't look like he'd even survive let alone ever be king as king Saul David's jealous enemy drove David into hiding and, and tried to hunt him down and kill him and so David had to leave his best friends his family his life God's house that he loved, and David had to go and live as a refugee in the desert, in caves, among enemy peoples, out of Saul's reach. And these were times of erosion for David, times of disappointment, of discouragement, of suffering, times when David prayed, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? I thirst for you in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. Well, today we're going to look at, at Psalm 143, one of these kinds of psalms that David prayed, written out of a time of erosion. We don't know the exact circumstances going on in David's life when he composed this particular psalm, but the general situation is, is pretty clear. And for David, it has to do with conflict, and it has to do with enemies. David is being attacked and thwarted and harassed and persecuted by enemies. Verse 3. The enemy pursues me, David complains. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. Verse 9. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. For David, the, the conflict that he faces in this situation is likely with literal enemies. For us, it, it might be too, but it might also be conflict with an illness or with an obstacle or with a setback or with a discouragement. And whatever it is, it is a long drawn out battle. You feel thwarted, you feel worn down, you feel maybe wounded, and it goes on and on and it's just exhausting. 
Well, that's David's experience here. And uh, he's being worn away. He's being eroded away. And in the psalm, he gives a great description of what it feels like to be in a season of erosion like this. So let's look at how it feels and how it's described in this psalm. First, what it feels like emotionally, and then how it feels spiritually. Emotionally, first off, David feels weak. He feels utterly weak. Listen to how he describes it. Verse 3. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. Verse 4. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. Have you ever felt crushed or faint inside? Like, Like you had no more emotional reserves left. Like you had nothing left to give. In verse 7, David adds, my spirit fails. It's like internally David is is trying to start his emotional engine to to find some inner strength and some hope, some energy to keep going. But but inside it just sputters and it stalls and he's got nothing. Did any of you wake up some days this past year and, and feel a bit this way? I know I did. Thankfully, not every day, but but some days felt like that. It's like I got out of bed and I said, is the day over yet? I'm so weary. And I looked at my to-do list for the day and it felt like a huge mountain. I felt weak. I felt empty, like I had nothing to offer. And that's how it sometimes feels during seasons of erosion. And when you have responsibility like David did as a leader, you have battles you're supposed to be fighting. You know that to feel so weak is not a comfortable place to be. So weakness. Second, emotionally, David feels despondent. He feels down, discouraged, depressed. Verse three, my enemy makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. Verse four again. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. It feels so dark inside of David at this point that he feels like he's about to enter the grave. Or or I guess that he's been there a long time in the grave. He's got no sense of hope, no confidence, no joy, no gratitude. This is is the direction that, that seasons of erosion take us emotionally. They wear us down. They discourage us. They steal our joy. And the light inside of us burns dimmer and dimmer as they go on. We don't feel like we have anything to look forward to. We don't feel like there are going to be better days ahead. Well, all of this leads into how it feels spiritually to go through seasons of erosion. These emotions that we experience Because like it or not, our emotions and our spirituality are connected. Our spiritual condition affects how we feel emotionally and vice versa. Our emotions affect our spiritual state. First, the most striking thing spiritually about this psalm is that spiritually David feels unworthy and likely guilty. This is the reason traditionally that the church has considered this psalm as the last of the seven penitential psalms. David feels like if God judges him on what he deserves, David will not fare very well. Verse 2, 
do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. Now, just contrast this, if you've read the Psalms, with so many other Psalms where David pleads his innocence, where David begs God to judge between him and his enemies, where David insists that he's done nothing wrong, his hands are clean, but not here. Here in this Psalm, he says, God, don't judge me because I'm not innocent. Nobody is. What I'm pleading for is not justice, but mercy. Have you ever felt that this kind of unworthiness when you went to God in prayer? It's common to feel this way during seasons of erosion. I I certainly have felt this way. I did, especially um, earlier in my Christian life as, as a young Christian, the first time I went through a serious season of erosion, I felt my, my spiritual fires dying out, my passion dissolving away, my passion for God. I didn't want to praise God. I didn't feel like spending time with God. It was just easier not to, to get on with my day. I wasn't motivated to serve God or to fight temptations that I was battling in my life. And all of this made me feel guilty. And it made me feel unspiritual and it made me feel unfaithful. And I even questioned whether I was really saved. And this is the kind of guilt and the kind of unworthiness that we often feel during times of erosion. We feel like we don't have anything to bring to the table spiritually. And so all we can pray like David is, don't judge me, God, for no one is righteous before you. I'm certainly not we feel unworthy. Second, during seasons of erosion, we often feel dry spiritually. Verse six, I thirst for you like a parched land. Verses like this about thirsting for God or, or the, the, the famous line in Psalm 42 that they made into a worship chorus in the 80s, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my song, song uh, sorry, my soul longeth after thee. I used to think that that these kinds of lines were, were describing spiritual passion. God, I'm so thirsty. I'm so hungry for you. But, but then as I grew a bit more spiritually and, and got to know the Psalms better, I realized it's just the opposite. This language is describing spiritual dryness, not spiritual passion. It's describing not feeling close to God. It's describing feeling utterly parched and withered spiritually. And this just adds to our guilt and, and to the unworthiness that we feel. We, we, we fear that we're growing hard-hearted, maybe. We fear that our first love is growing cold. We, we fear we're backsliding, perhaps. We, we fear we're losing our faith. We certainly don't feel like we have much faith. And so third, not surprisingly, during seasons of erosion, God often feels far away. Verse 7. Do not hide your face from me. Maybe we fear God has abandoned us or turned his back on us. Um, Maybe we feel like God has rejected us. Where is God? Why isn't God hearing our prayers? Why don't we feel God's love? Why don't we see God at work in us or around us? And so do you see how all of these experiences work together and reinforce each other? Our emotional state and our spiritual state our weakness, our despondency, and then our unworthiness, our spiritual dryness, and our feeling far from God. If you've ever felt this way, you're not alone. King David felt this way at times. 
And I and others in this room have felt this way. It's erosion. It's a spiritual desert. It's a time of dryness. In its extreme form, it's been called a dark night of the soul. It's a season that we will all go through from time to time. If you haven't gone through it yet, you probably will. And for some of us, 2020 has been such a season. Well, then fourth, spiritually speaking, um, during such times, we we can feel um, not only unworthy, not only dry, not only far from God, but we can feel lost and directionless. Verse eight, Lord, show me the way I should go. We're not sure. We don't have clarity. We don't have vision. We don't have confidence about where our life is headed. Instead, we're confused. We're unsure. Maybe we feel like we're floundering. Can you imagine King David feeling this way? (laughs) He was such a man of courage and purpose, such a strong, competent leader. And yet even he went through seasons of erosion where he didn't know which way to turn. And I'll tell you, I felt this way at points over this past year. I felt the pressure that I put on myself to a large extent to lead CBC really well through this time, um, not uh, yet not knowing how in these unprecedented times, right? Not being sure where we needed to focus and feeling confused and, and muddled up in my head and my heart. And sometimes not feeling like I had the energy or the motivation even to lead anywhere. And that's what erosion feels like, especially for leaders or or for those used to being responsible and focused and productive. All right, well, enough about the emotional and the, the spiritual symptoms and experiences of erosion. The big question is, how do we handle these times, right? What advice or insight does this psalm give us? Well, let me begin by answering that question um, by giving you an analogy. Have you ever read one of those stories, maybe in National Geographic or, or one, a news source like that, about a great archaeological discovery? And the archaeologists and the, the anthropologists, um, you know, they're so excited, the historians too. Maybe it's a, a great ancient temple or a palace, a village or a city. Maybe it contains abundant riches or maybe great knowledge, breakthrough discovery, which answers some great his puzzle or question that historians have been asking for years and years. And the way that this great um, discovery got found was that because a sandstorm or a flood or some other event wore away or, or took away the soil or the sand that was over this thing. And suddenly there it was right there. And it had been there all along but it had been buried right under our feet so that we had no idea that this ancient treasure was right there. Well, that's what erosion does. Erosion unburies buried treasure. In our case, great spiritual treasure, great moral treasure, great character treasure. That's why the book of James begins, consider it pure joy, Brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, why? Because we should like trials, we should enjoy suffering, no, but because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Erosion, more than anything else, wears away what's in the way of us growing spiritually and of us growing in character. Erosion wears away the impatience. It wears away the self-reliance. It wears away the pride and the arrogance. It wears away the self-righteousness. And it reveals treasure. Treasure like humility and gentleness. Treasure like perseverance and patience. Treasure like confidence in God. Treasure like deep no matter faith in God. And above all, treasure like God himself. These are some of the richest treasures that we can possess. These are the qualities that made someone like King David so great that we still remember him today. And we read and we pray and we sing his psalms. And guess what? There there are no shortcuts to developing these treasures, to developing these precious qualities. David never would have become the sort of man, the sort of leader that he was, if David had become king quickly and easily as a young man. If David had ever had everything handed to him on a gold platter, he never would have become a great spiritual man. No, the way he became so great was that he suffered his way into leadership. And all that time of erosion developed in him the character and the godliness which made him a great leader. David had to be wounded. He had to be broken. And then in God's gracious hands, he had to be mended and healed. With the best things in life, there are no shortcuts. Anyone can cook a frozen TV dinner in the microwave in five minutes but it takes time to grill a delicious steak. Many factories can can make fake imitation diamonds quickly, but real diamonds take centuries of pressure under the earth. There are certain things that can't be rushed. And our own growth in character, our own godliness, our own hearts are among those precious things. There are no shortcuts. It just plain takes time and pressure. Times of erosion aren't comfortable, but they're important and they're worth it. So let's look in our psalm now uh, and see what these erosion times produced in David and what he learned about how to handle these times to get the most out of them. First, during seasons of erosion, David learned to remember, to remember and to hold on to the stories of what God had done in the past. Verse five, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and I consider what your hands have done. What's David remembering? Well, maybe the story of creation, maybe the Exodus when God created a nation and brought them out of Egypt. Maybe the conquest when God enabled Joshua and the Israelites to take the promised land. Maybe David's remembering how he himself, as a boy, had been enabled by God to kill a lion and a bear and then to defeat the giant Goliath. 
When you can't feel God's presence or see God at work around you now, you have to remember what God's done in the past. And sometimes you may not feel like it. And it may not feel better right away just because you remembered. But it's a discipline to remember the stories of God's great works in the scriptures and also how God has been real and present in our own lives and in the lives of others. To meditate on these stories, to consider and ponder them. Because we're not always going to see God's hand dramatically at work or to feel God close by. And so in those times, we, we don't need, um, or in, it's rather in those times that we don't feel God or see God at work, we need to remember the times when God was. Because as Dietrich Bonhoeffer astutely observed, Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. Well, sometimes we're so down, we're so weak that, that we need help remembering. We need others to remind us. I think of the child who's, who's feeling sad or discouraged and instinctively says to, to a parent, mommy, daddy, tell me again the story about the time that. And, and then they, they recall a happy, uh, encouraging, comforting story that they want to be retold. We, we also likewise need um, to turn to others to help us remember. However we do it, we, we need to find ways to remember and to ponder stories, stories of God's reality and God's faithfulness and God's deliverance and God's presence. Second, second thing David learns in, in his season of erosion, he learns to lean on the character and the faithfulness of God. Because erosion reveals our unfaithfulness. We often don't feel very spiritual or very faithful, and, and so we can feel guilty or unworthy, as we saw. This is why David prays, don't judge me, God. Instead, verse 1, he prays, listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness come to my relief. And again, at the end of his prayer, verse 12, in your unfailing love, silence my enemies. David is not depending on his own righteousness or his own worthiness here. He's depending on God's faithfulness and God's mercy. After all, he and God are in a covenant relationship, and you and I are with God as well if you're a follower of Christ. God and his children are in a committed relationship with one another, and David knows he hasn't perfectly kept up his side of the bargain, far from it. And he sure doesn't feel like he can right now, but he begs God, God, you're better than me. Please, you be faithful. You be righteous. You keep your side of the bargain. Not because I deserve it or because I've earned it, but because you are merciful and you are unfailing in your love. This is probably the, the greatest lesson that, that I've learned during seasons of erosion when all my spiritual energy and, and goodness had worn away, when my faith has, has faltered and I've had nothing to offer to God, it, it's that I can still go to God for mercy and that God will forgive me and accept me and that my relationship with God has never been founded upon what I bring to the table anyway. It's always been about God's grace. God's faithfulness. And this is humbling. 
And, and so it's worn away some of my self-righteousness and my judgmentalism and made me more gracious and more compassionate toward others. That's the slow, the uncomfortable, but the wonderful work of erosion. And so third, the third thing that David gains through this season of erosion, which is expressed in this psalm, is a deeper, more mature kind of faith. Verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. David always had faith. As a young brash shepherd boy, he had the faith to go out against the giant Goliath with only a sling and some stones. David knew God was the God of miracles, that God could do incredible things if only we trust God. And it was all exciting and it was all exhilarating to have this kind of faith. But it takes a whole different kind of faith to lose rather than winning and to still trust God. It takes a whole different kind of faith to pray for miracles and not see them and wonder why, and yet to still keep trusting. It takes a whole different kind of faith to be spiritually dry and unmotivated and maybe depressed, and you wonder, where is God? And it feels like God has abandoned you, and it feels like your prayers don't even penetrate the ceiling, and yet still you can say, In your heart, verse 8, God, to you I entrust my life. And verse 9, I hide myself in you. Often as a young leader, God, or a young believer, God um, gives us faith for winning and for victory and for miracles even. But it's often seasons of erosion which test whether we'll keep trusting God through times of darkness and defeat and failure. When we can only pray like Jesus prayed on the cross, where he was quoting another psalm when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet Jesus could still continue quoting yet another psalm, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I still trust you, even though I feel forsaken by you. This is another level of faith, a faith that God is faithful even if it feels like God has forsaken us. And that kind of faith is strong enough to get you through just about anything. Again, as James put it, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that's erosion. Nobody likes it. Nobody signs up for it, but like it or not, from time to time, it finds us. And the question is, the question we face when it does find us is, how will we cope with it? Will we waste it? Or will we recognize the opportunity that it provides to wear away our selfishness and our pride and our hardness and our self-reliance in order to reveal the treasures of character, of humility, of compassion, of deep faith, and the greatest treasure of all, more of God himself.
in our lives. Well, there's a landscape of life handout um, similar to the one that we put up on the screen earlier that goes with the sermon series. And I emailed it out again on Friday, if you get the Friday emails. And I'd encourage you to use it as we've been encouraging you in the past weeks to reflect um, on the different seasons of your life. And in this case, on the seasons of erosion that, that you've been through. Uh, you can jot down what were the circumstances, what did God do in you and teach you during those times, and have you held on to those lessons um, and to that growth that God was seeking to work in you during those times? And if you think that you're in a season of erosion now, are you going to waste it or are you going to lean into it as David taught us through this psalm? Let me pray for us. God, I pray particularly for those of us who over this past year or more have experienced a season of erosion. Maybe it was the pandemic, maybe it was a personal difficulty that we've been going through that was different from what everyone else was going through. But in one way or another, we feel worn away. We feel dark, we feel weak. And God, we need more than to just summon our great spiritual strength and to soldier through. We need your mercy. We need your faithfulness. We need you to massage our heart so that we're even open to the lessons you might want to teach us and the treasures you might want to work in us through this. And so I pray for your grace for all of us, that through these times, you would bring out greater treasure that will make us beautiful to you and through us that the world will see how beautiful you are. In Jesus' name, amen.